When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones had just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately. He's got the handoff. You know and it's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time to get to know your foe, Jets versus Buccaneers edition. And so for that, we bring in TJ Reeves, who is the radio sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Also a good personal friend of our guy, John Grella, who was the director of communications for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for three years, despite being a lifelong Jets fan. I'm sure he got a lot of ribbing about that. TJ, thanks so much for coming on the show, brother. Well, first of all, if any chance that we get to not only affectionately bang on Jonathan Grella for not being here, we have to take advantage of that. But by the same token, I get to shout out to my guy because he constantly had to fight the good fight with me <laughs> in losing locker rooms all the time. He had experience as a Jet as a Jet fan and a Jet supporter long before he worked for the Buccaneers about losing and losing locker rooms. And so he and I would be uh, figuratively uh, in there together, in it together, trying to get players to talk or head coach to cooperate or whatever it is. Love me some JG. Uh, and I know when you reached out uh, it, previously, I, I was like, yeah, I got to do this because you're one of his guys. So that makes you one of my guys here, Scott. So it's good to be with you, even though you're trying to play like a jet and I want to play like a buck on the podcast. I like that. As you said, if I'm one of his guys, then I'm one of your guys, and it goes the exact same way in reverse. So anytime you're in the New York area, you let me know, and I'll take you for some of the best pizza you ever had. Trust me. Well, I don't know if you've heard, uh, but the Buccaneers and the Jets are playing this weekend. So that would mean that I am in the New Ah. York area this Sunday. Okay. I would assume that that's one of the reasons why you have me on the podcast. I don't know if you knew that I was going to be in the area as part of the Buccaneers radio 
network, but I am there. Unfortunately, I don't get in till way late mm. Saturday night, New Year's night, because I'm working a college football bowl game. I'm working the Outback Bowl here uh. in Tampa, uh, doing that game on the radio. So I'm in on the last flights, God help us, I hope, late night, Saturday night. And then, obviously, there's a 1 o'clock kickoff. So I don't know if there's breakfast pizza <laughs> in the future for Sunday morning, but I, I might have to take you up on it on a, on a future time. I just, you know, I have to I have to keep you in line on your own podcast that I actually will be in the New York area because the Bucks are in the New York area. This is true. I wasn't sure if you were going to be making the trip because I know with everything going on with COVID, that. they've been limiting staff sure. and everything for a lot of these games. Thought maybe you were just going to be doing stuff back in the studio. I'm making fun of you, and that's fair because, <laughs> for the record, we didn't do any of the road games traveling last year. We did them all out of the home stadium, to your point, and most teams did that. There were very few teams right. that traveled at all, and how wild is it? that we end up doing playoff games out of the home stadium, off TV, remote broadcast, but we end up doing the Super Bowl at Raymond James Stadium out of the same stadium where the Bucks play the home games. That was as surreal as anything you can imagine. And it also, I realize they've now extended the season by an extra regular season game now, but it also, it also sets a record that I don't believe will ever be broken. It certainly would not have been broken in a 20-game uh, schedule with the playoffs and the postseason. We did every single game out of the same stadium, including the Super Bowl, and won the <laughs> Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? We did all 20 games, 16 regular season, three playoff, and the Super Bowl out of Raymond James Stadium. So now somebody theoretically, Scott, could do 17 games in the regular season and then all four playoff games, including the Super Bowl in their own stadium, and break it. I may not be around to see it. It may be a long, long time before that happens, and it's it's still a wild time and a wild memory. That sounds like Joe DiMaggio's hitting streak. I doubt it's ever going to get broken. I would be very, very surprised. Uh, but I got to ask you, though, true. TJ, because big part of the reason why that streak happened in the first place is because Tom Brady showed up in Tampa Bay, and you told me before we started recording that for some reason there are still people that are doubting Tom Brady. I'm not sure how that's possible considering <laughs> what he did last year and what he continues to do this year. I'm not saying that he's perfect, but my goodness, he's been pretty damn good this year again. Tell me a little bit about what's going on there. I have no idea why anybody would be doubting this guy at this point. I, I think you make uh, the point. It is the point, and... Uh, especially coming off of last year uh, where the guy more than demonstrated that uh, he still has it. And I'm here to testify right there at field level from this past weekend in Charlotte, the day after Christmas, he can still make the throws. Does he have the same arm? Let's say that Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen has, and, you know, compare it to a couple of the younger guys that can zip it. Lamar, Lamar Jackson can throw it on a rope. Joe Burrow, can throw it on a rope almost anywhere. Does he have that same a level of arm? Maybe not. Does he have as good or better an arm than a lot of the quarterbacks that are starting in the NFL? He absolutely does. I think it begins right there, that anybody that thought that there was going to be some drop-off this year physically, and Scott, honestly, I don't know what happens the remainder of this year and in the playoffs. What happens does to his elbow? What happens to his shoulder? Father time gets all of us eventually. So I don't know what the future truly holds beyond the short sample here, the short term for 2022, but I, I can tell you from the way he's piled up yardage and touchdowns, uh, even with backup weapons last week, and he's going to have to do it with backup weapons here at the end of the regular season in this Jets game and in the final game with Carolina, and then we'll see who's available for the playoffs in terms of Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, if they can come back. 
Uh, the fact that he is still piling up yards and points at age 44 is incredible. The guy's going to play next year. I, I, I keep saying this, even if they win it, Scott, and go back to back, he is still going to try to play in 2022. And physically, he looks like he still can play for next year. So get ready. As the great Larry Merchant once said about Bernard Hopkins, Father Time is undefeated, but Bernard Hopkins is currently holding Father Time to a draw. And I would say that is the same with Tom Brady (laughs) at this moment. (laughs) Who knew that you're a boxing guy? I'm a boxing guy, too. Who knew that you're a boxing guy with that river? I like that. Oh, yeah. Huge boxing fan. We'll have to have a chat about that another time as well, because I could go on and on about boxing. Trust me. But right now. My job is to go on and on about the New York Jets, or in this case, actually get you to go on and on about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what the Jets are facing with them coming up this Sunday at MetLife Stadium. And so let's talk a little bit about what Tom Brady's got to work with. There's been quite a few injuries. We know that everything was going on with COVID and players were missing time. Update us a little bit on where we stand with some of these players, because as you said, Leonard Fournette hurt. Mike Evans was out. There's been a lot of movement there with the Bucks. Shaq Barrett came out of the game on Sunday. What's going on? How long is the podcast? I don't know. I mean, how long <laughs> do we have to detail what, uh, I mean, injuries, COVID-19 lists? And I know we're taping this kind of early on in the week, and the Bucks are hopeful uh, to get some of these guys back off the COVID-19 list. But I don't know, and you're hoping that it doesn't get worse because, for example, on Monday – Mike Evans, who's already battling the hamstring problems, is on the COVID-19 list. That's because the receivers coach, Kevin Garver, is also on the COVID-19 list, so it doesn't look like he's going to be able to coach in the game. Uh, Brashard Perriman, the receiver that was the hero in the Bills game in the overtime on the catch and run, he has now missed the last two games with COVID-19 positive status, losing Uh, him for the Saints game and for the win in Carolina. But the good news is he's back off the list. You've got a veteran receiver there to join it. But the concern would be any of the other receivers that were in that room. It's obviously been an issue um, here now for over a week for the Buccaneer receiving core. They also have a couple of – and Jalen Darden, by the way, is another receiver, the rookie who also has COVID-19 on the list. They're hoping to get some of these guys back uh, from that. Uh, Fournette placed on injured reserve, so he can't play by a league rule for the final three games of the regular season. The hope is is playoffs there. Levante David, the star linebacker, the same thing. On, on IR, they hope to get him back potentially for a, a week one or maybe even beyond playoff game if they can. Um, and, in, and in terms of uh, the great pass rusher Shaq Barrett, he got hurt in the game uh, Sunday, Scott, uh, mm-hmm. trying to go after Sam Darnold on a sack late in the first half. Uh, earlier in the game, Barrett had gotten a sack. He became, I believe, the fourth Buccaneer ever. Uh, joining these names, by the way, Leroy Selman, Warren Sapp, and Simeon Rice as the fourth Buccaneer ever to have double-digit sacks in two different seasons. So Barrett mm. got the sack earlier in the half, hurt his knee. It is not believed to be season-ending. It is believed to be a sprain. They're doing further evaluation, but he's not going to play against the Jets this week. So it is banged-up Bucks right now. That and the COVID-19 list, you're kind of limping to the finish line, trying to make do with guys you have. Making do with guys that he's got is something that Tom Brady has a lot of experience with, but somehow it's always next man up because last week, Keyshawn Vaughn stepped up and had a big game. Ronald Jones stepped in and took a bunch of carries. Le'Veon Bell now is around. Antonio Brown came back, and he had over 100 yards receiving. So talk to me a little bit about what you expect Brady to do in terms of distribution of the ball 
and what you think Arians is going to do strategy-wise here with the Tampa Bay offense. A lot of it was going to Antonio Brown, uh, especially early on in that game and on third down. And he obviously loves Rob Gronkowski, who you haven't mentioned yet, especially third down, red zone as the game goes on. Uh, but they, this team has got, if, if Perriman is back in the lineup, he's a veteran receiver and, again, was with the team in 2019 and played well down the stretch of the season. And then, because it's the Play Like a Jet podcast, we know where he signed uh-huh. on a one-year deal in the offseason a year ago mm-hmm. in the final year of the Adam Gase debacle <laughs> tenure. He signed with the Jets. So Perriman left to go with the Jets, gets, gets cut loose after the first year of the free agency deal, goes to the Detroit Lions, Scott, Brett, uh, Brett Perriman's son signs with Brett Perriman's former team. Brashad Perriman signs with the Lions, and the Lions get rid of him. The winless Lions get rid of him. <laughs> and then the Buccaneers come calling, uh, and if if Perriman is ready to go in this game, he will be an excellent compliment to Antonio Brown. They have another young receiver, Tyler Johnson, who's a second-year receiver, who Brady doesn't go to as much, but we'll see if they utilize him some in this game as the third complimentary receiver to Perriman and Brown. And then and then the hope is to get Mike Evans back at some point. And you mentioned Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, he really came around in that game last week. They like him better as a pass catcher, but he's dropped a couple of balls in the last two games with the Saints and uh, last week with Carolina. They're, they're trying to figure out who can be that guy because Leonard Fournette had kind of become the guy like Kevin Falk. I know I'm speaking your language now in the AFC East. He had become mm-hmm. like the pass-catching, check-down outlet for Tom Brady for so many years in New England. Fournette had really begun to to be that guy, and now he's out. So can Jones pick some of that up uh, as a comfort level? Can it be Keyshawn Vaughn? We'll see. Le'Veon Bell played a little bit, played like one series and had a, had a carry or two. In the game, I don't know how effective he can be down the stretch, but he may get some reps here in this Jets game. We'll find out uh, with Le'Veon Bell, who again was was on the Ravens roster. They cut him loose, and he didn't know if he was going to get a phone call. And then, lo and behold, Scott, the phone calls from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> we would like for you to come join us at the end here and have a shot at a ring for Le'Veon Bell. How about? And he's a former Jet. It all connects back to the Jets. Speaking of former Jets, how about former Jets head coach Todd Bowles, who is running the Tampa Bay defense? So let's talk a little bit about that defense. You mentioned Shaq Barrett and Levante David are both out. They basically said Shaq Barrett is out this week for sure and probably the last two weeks. He will be declared out and will not even practice. So you're right. It's 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 banged up. Uh, Todd Bowles is happy that his secondary is back. Uh, at full strength for now, God willing, with all the injuries, because with Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, and Sean Murphy Bunting, not exactly household names, that's the starters. Those guys started on opening night with the Dallas Cowboys, and Murphy Bunting suffered a dislocated elbow. So he went out for eight games. Carlton Davis then had a thigh injury in the New England game, and he went out for like another five games himself, and Jamel Dean was the only guy there, and Jamel Dean has been hurt some this year, too. So only the last couple of games have the Bucks gotten all of those guys back, and it makes a difference with what Todd Bowles is calling with the defense, the coverages uh, that he can run with those guys that he trusts more than the reserves. So I think it will make it made a big difference in both the Saints game and in the Carolina game. Now you can make the argument the Saints didn't really have a quarterback to get the receivers the ball, and the same kind of thing with Cam Newton and Sam Darnold. Again, it connects back to the Jets. Darnold was in <laughs> Carolina last week while we were harassing him and sacking him all over the place, but uh, because Bowles can run the coverage as he wants, it's helping with the pass rush, and the Bucks register seven sacks a week ago against Carolina as part of that, and that's going to be a factor 
for Zach Wilson uh, and the and the Jets' protection here is the way that they've been better at covering the last couple of weeks. It's only going to help with the pass rush. You just wonder who for the Buccaneers can help generate that pass rush, especially on the outside. Well, the outside might be a little difficult, but on the inside, we know that the Bucks have one of the best interior pass rushers of the last decade or so. That, of course, is Ndamukong Sue. We talked about Tom Brady before and him continuing to play at the top of his game, but somehow Ndamukong Sue is an ageless wonder. He's got six sacks this year, 13 quarterback hits. He's been excellent for Tampa Bay overall. And he's been on a bunch of teams because he's sort of a nomad, a bit of a mercenary, goes where the paycheck is, goes where he has the opportunity to win, whatever the circumstances that he chooses that particular season. But he has been a revelation for the Buccaneers this year. And if they get pressure on the Jets and Zach Wilson from the interior, you would imagine that and Damakong Sue will be a big part of the reason why. You are correct. He's there. He's making plays. And, and he is not... Uh, the same player that he was when he was obviously a rookie in the early 2010s and in, in the prime of his career in the mid, uh, you know, 2010s. Uh, he's he's got a lot of tread off the tires, as I like to say. However, he can still make plays, and he will be in there probably 30 or 40 plays a game. They're trying to save him some here at the end of the season to have something left. Now that you know you've qualified for the playoffs and you've got a home playoff game, et cetera, et cetera, they're trying to save him a bit. Uh, for the for the postseason, and one of the guys they utilize is the is the number one pick from three years ago, uh, actually four seasons ago now. Vita Vea, uh, former defensive tackle at the University of Washington, very athletic. As I like to say, he's as big as a school building, and he's been getting great pressure up the middle as well. Vea had another sack in the game last week with Carolina. Had a couple of them in the Buffalo game. Gets great push. A lot of times one on two, and sometimes one on three up the middle. That defensive tackle. So between Sue and Vea, the Bucks really have done well on the interior defensive line. You just wonder again here with without Shaq Barrett, JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, who your your audience is familiar with for playing from the New York Giants mm-hmm. for so many years. Uh, JPP's battling a partially torn rotator cuff in his shoulder, uh, and it, it has just affected him to the point where he cannot push defensive uh, or offensive lineman out of the way can't leverage to get around him the same way so he's had to rest it this past game and we don't know honestly if he will be active for the Jets game for the same reason if they've got him on some kind of treatment plan some kind of rehab plan to get him better for the postseason where that thing can heal up some and he can be effective because he JPP was trying but he's clearly not the same player it's almost like he's a body taking up space and taking up a lane because he can't get around his guy with one and a half arms with that bad rotator cuff. So we'll see who the Bucks have on the end. But right now through the middle, good luck to trying to run on this football team because nobody's been able to do that. And a lot of that is Sue and Vita Vea and others clogging up the middle on that defensive line. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. 
TJ, I know on paper this looks like a mismatch, and it would appear that the Buccaneers should plow right through the Jets. I've said that if you're a Jets fan and you either have tickets to this game or you can get tickets to this game for a reasonable price, it's still worth going because... A, it might be your last chance to see Tom Brady in person, although with him, who knows, he could play till he's 65 years old. And B, <laughs> this could be your only opportunity to see Tom Brady go up against Zach Wilson. And if Zach Wilson turns out to be what we're hoping, that'll be something fun to look back on years down the road. But getting back to the actual matchup here, the Jets and the Buccaneers, tell me a little bit about what you expect to see in this game. Also, strategy-wise, what do you expect the Buccaneers to do? And if you were the Jets, how would you try to attack the Buccaneers? Well, first of all, you make a good point because I, I know that just like when we played in, in New England earlier this year, and that, that was as surreal as it gets, where he's going against his old team where he won seven Super Bowls or six of them with them previously. So uh, that that was crazy. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of people made the same argument that, hey, Carolina was going to have a good crowd, even though they've had a bad season, because it's a chance to see Tom Brady. And, and that was that was the case. It was probably about three quarters full, if not four fifths full. I don't know how full it was at MetLife for the game uh, with the with the Jaguars. Again, that's the Jaguars who are terrible. But I would suspect that most Jet fans are going to be out uh, and, and ready to boo Tom Brady. And I believe what this really comes down to is the same thing that we've seen in several other cases, whether the Bucks are playing against the, the lowly Chicago Bears, the awful New York Giants, your brother's there across the river. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever the team is that has struggled this season is do not self-inflict. Do not create your own mess. Don't, don't have turnovers. Don't self-inflict with penalties. Do not give hope and life to a lesser team in this case, which is the Jets with a first-year coaching staff. As long as the Buccaneers play a clean game, uh, they're going to be in great shape. I, I, I don't foresee that New York's going to have much success in stopping the Buccaneers cold. They're going to maybe have a, on occasion opportunity to slow them down, force a punt, or maybe create a turnover. But this, this is a game where the Buccaneers should have 24, 28, 31 points, just like they've done most of the year. Just even with the depleted weapons that we've gone over in this podcast, they have too many guys that can make plays, and they have an outstanding offensive line that we haven't talked about yet, where Tom Brady rarely gets touched. Uh, the, the Saint game was an aberration where he got knocked down several times and sacked four or five times in that game. That doesn't happen very often. So the Jets are going to have their work cut out for them to try to get past the, the – uh, the Buccaneers wall in front of Tom Brady and uh, let's see how it goes. And again, the buck defense is down some playmakers in this game, but they do have the secondary back. I, I would think it really comes down to turnovers and mistakes by the Buccaneers, giving the jets hope, giving them life, giving them opportunity. If that doesn't happen, you're going to see the Buccaneers get out to a two touchdown lead. You're going to see the Buccaneers put 24, 31 points, something like that on the board, at least in this contest Sunday. TJ, since you brought them up, let's talk a little bit about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line. We know that there's been a lot of talk here because Mekhi Becton was picked right ahead of Tristan Wirfs. And while Becton was really, really good when he was healthy, he's missed quite a bit of time. Meanwhile, Tristan Wirfs has just been destroying dudes in Tampa Bay. Tell me a little bit about that offensive line and how well they've protected Tom Brady and also... Following up on what you just said in terms of what you think the Buccaneers are going to do points-wise, it's a 13-point spread right now, which is pretty embarrassing if you're a home team. Do you think the Buccaneers are going to cover the spread? Don't let double-digit spreads concern you because time and again they've done this. They've covered, mm -hmm. they even covered on the road last week as an 11-point favorite. 
So uh, go go get to your favorite betting outlet on that with whatever information you want. They covered a 10-point line against the Giants on Monday night. They covered a 10-point line against the Bears and against the Dolphins and against the Falcons. Those were all at home. So they've been big favorites a bunch and have embraced this role, even though they don't pay much attention to it, obviously. Uh, they just keep scoring points on whoever it is. Back to the offensive line, Werfs has been tremendous. I mean, he, he got named to the Pro Bowl here in year two. He had gone, he finally gave up a sack in the Saints game. He had gone nine games, Scott, before that without even allowing a quarterback pressure, Wow. much less a sack. So Werfs has been great on the right end. Donovan Smith got the, got the huge contract, uh, former uh, second-round pick out of Penn State. He's the left tackle. They've got a veteran center in um, – in Jensen and uh, and Ali Marpitz, a New York guy from Hobart College, by the way, too, up in that part of the world. Uh, Ryan Jensen, a, a veteran free agent, and they got another uh, a kid that was a Division II player uh, in Alex Kappa from out in California at Humboldt State. So they have a they have some guys from some big time programs like Iowa and Penn State. Then they have a guy from Humboldt State and a guy from Hobart College, Division Three. So they, they can block, they can pass protect, and that is probably the biggest key uh, to this game. If the Jets cannot get pressure on Tom Brady, it is going to be a long, long su- uh, Sunday afternoon because he has decimated about anybody that he wants if he has time to throw the football. TJ, last but not least, before we start recording, you told me you had a fun historical story about the Bucks <laughs> and the Jets that I wanted to get out of you because I don't know if you know this, but this show is about to turn five years old, or actually we'll get to the sixth birthday. We'll have five full okay. years in the books. And when we started the show, it began as a once-a-week history show. So Jets history is my all-time passion. I'm a huge Jets history guy, so I want to hear this story. Tell me a little bit about it. You said it was from 1984 1985, so I'm definitely That's looking correct. forward to hearing this story. So I'm here to help, and I love the nostalgia as well in the back and forth, and this will actually be part. I've got a colleague of mine who does an amazing job. I mean, I'm not just talking about ordinary. He does an unreal job of of all the history of the Buccaneers. And how about this one, Scott? His site is called buckpower.com, and buckpower.com is run by a guy named Paul Stewart who is in England. He's in Devonshire, England. So – he is the biggest <laughs> Buccaneer fan slash historian you could ever imagine who doesn't even live in the United States. And his site for the fans, if you want to go there, uh, has everything Buccaneers, every player, every game, every every moment, every highlight of importance from every game, everywhere. It's all on his site. So what we're about to talk about, by the way, is something he will be talking about on their podcast, and he will have this out there later in the week. Uh, probably in video form with a couple of clips, that there is some history uh, between the Bucks and the Jets. Only play every four years, only play every eight years right now in the rotation in, in New York between the Bucks and the Jets. But you go all the way back to the beginnings of the Buccaneers and John McKay being the first ever coach, the patriarch of the Buccaneers. His final game, he had announced his retirement late in the 1984 season. Again, McKay led the Buccaneers from 0-26 the first two years to the NFC Championship game in year four with Doug Williams and Leroy Selman and company. So he is very revered. He's got his name in the ring of honor. He's the original Buccaneer coach. So McKay had already announced, I'm I'm retiring. I'm, I'm giving it up here at the end of this year. Did that late in the season. So the final game is played in Tampa with the Buccaneers 
winning for much of the game. On that day, an outstanding Buccaneer running back at that time, James Wilder, was trying to break the NFL record for yards from scrimmage in a single season that year. Not just rushing, but also receiving. So late in the game, uh, they were keeping track of this. Through the press notes and the running box score, they knew what Wilder needed, and Wilder was still like 20 yards short of breaking the all-time record. Meantime, the 84 Jets are being beaten decisively by like three touchdowns. It's the final minute of the game, and the Buccaneers let the Jets complete a pass and sort of not really tackle whoever it was. It might have been – it could have been Wesley Walker uh, that maybe made the catch. I'm not sure. I'm going back into way back, Scott. you got to help me with like 84 (laughs) to 85 Jets on who it would have been. All right, so he's tackled at like the five-yard line. Well, now the Buccaneers call a timeout in a game that they're winning, and they make it clear to the defense, let them score. Let the Jets score. We're trying to get the ball back to get Wilder the yardage record. And so that's sure enough, when you see the clip, it's a handoff that might have been Freeman McNeil. Am I speaking your language? Mm -hmm. 84-85. That would have been about right, Scott, without looking, right? That would have been the running back, more than likely, or somebody like that off the team so they hand the back the ball and you see buccaneers like four of them part like the like the red sea or like the orange and white sea for the buccaneers and csea like they they just spread completely away from him and let him score and the jets are like furious at that because now they know something is up what's going on so the bucks get the ball back with like 30 seconds left or 40 seconds left and the jets are blitzing and they're clobbering james wilder not letting him run not letting him catch it So the game ends, and in those days at the old Tampa Stadium, the two sidelines would crisscross to go to the locker room. So the game is over. You're trying to have the handshake or whatever. It's McKay's last game. They pick McKay up and carry him to to midfield because it's his final game. You know, what few Buccaneer fans are left or clapping or whatever. There are Jet players in the crossover of locker rooms that are trying to get at John McKay that are ticked off mad about laying down and letting them score. And so he has a police officer with him. He has other team uh, players with him trying to get him through the Jets who are yelling at him as he crisscrosses and goes to the Buccaneer locker room after his final game. Okay, fast forward to the 85 season where Lehman Bennett, the former Falcons coach, has replaced John McKay and the Buccaneers are awful. You go back in the archive to November 17, 1985. The New York Jets had not forgotten the last game of 1984. And I think you know this by now, Scott, with me telling the story, because mm-hmm. you probably looked. They hung 62 points and kept scoring the entire second half with like a four-touchdown lead <laughs> to rub it back in on the B-U-C-C-A-N-E-E-R-S Go Bucks in a 62-28 to 28 win where the Jets had 580 yards of offense and 62 points in that game. I'm just looking real quick from BuckPower.com at that game and at the box score. Uh, Ken O'Brien was the quarterback, and he threw a bevy of touchdown passes <laughs> uh, in that game. O'Brien threw five touchdown passes, uh, and what I think three of them were to Wesley Walker in that game. And I'm looking here at the box score. The Jets were just tacking on touchdown after touchdown. They scored uh, 41 in the first half and scored 14 more in the third quarter. And then Joe Walton made sure that they scored a fourth quarter touchdown with Tony Page running it in to make the game 62-28 to 28 to rub it in on the Bucks. 
there's some of the history, the bad blood that goes back <laughs> almost 40 years to John, the late John McKay and the late Joe Walton and Ken O'Brien and Wesley Walker having a big day for the Jets, Scott. Absolutely. Yeah, that game in 1984, 41-21, the Buccaneers ended up winning, and it was Johnny Hector that got that final touchdown where, as you said, the Buccaneers parted like the Red Sea. It was funny in that game the next year where they got their revenge. It was Mickey Shuler who had three touchdowns. We talk all the time about how Mickey Shuler was the last great tight end this franchise has had, and they really need somebody that can make that kind of impact. But Al Toon, who we all know suffered greatly later on because of concussions and all that, had to retire early had a monster game too. six catches 133 yards and as you said Kenny O'Brien who led the AFC in passing that year a huge day 23 of 30 367 yards five touchdowns I've said many times Ken O'Brien is the perfect example of don't know what you got till it's gone because Jets fans used to boo him and hiss him but Highly productive quarterback, three Pro Bowls. Like I said, 1985 led the AFC in passing. Jets went to the playoffs several times. And look at what's happened ever since he's been gone. Again, I would kill for Ken O'Brien or somebody like him right now with the New York Jets. I just want to say, I just want to say, how did I do on delivering on the stories? Because I don't know that you knew any of that history about how that all came about. But all of that that I just described in the bad blood, that actually happened. Did I deliver? Are we good on that? Absolutely. Delivered beautifully, TJ. (laughs) (laughs) I delivered like Ken O'Brien serving it up uh, to Mickey Shuler or Wesley Walker. By the way, James Wilder did get a touchdown in the second half of the game, in the third quarter of the game. His one-yard run cut the the lead to 55-28 before the Jets (laughs) scored once more to make it 62-28 in that game. Incredible. Sure was incredible. It's been a long time since the Jets have had the kind of offensive personnel that would allow them to put 62 points on anybody. I would think if anyone's going to score 62 points on Sunday, unfortunately, it's probably going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But now we know everything we need to know about those Buccaneers, courtesy of our friend TJ Reeves, who is the sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Great insight. Phenomenal history story. I love that. I really hope we can do this again soon. In the meantime, check out everything TJ is doing. You can follow him on Twitter at BucksSidelineGuy. And obviously, if you listen to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast, you can check him out there too. Check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under. Luke Grant has got some great videos coming this week, including a full All-22 breakdown of Zach Wilson's performance. Watch all the videos. Subscribe if you haven't already. Also, make sure you check out our store at tpublic.com that's tee we've got the zach wilson zach says go long shirt the zach wilson zach the ripper shirt the john franklin myers quinn and williams bless you thank you shirt the play like a jet logo shirt caps mugs hoodies it's all there tpublic.com that's tee and make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on itunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com